0: I trust you had a good Christmas celebration with your family and friends. We were together yesterday, uh, 19 of us crammed into our little uh, 1,000-square-foot house, body-to-body. It was a lot of fun and good. It's always good to be together. Why don't we uh, pray and ask the Lord to meet us here uh, for this message tonight. God, uh, as we've just sung, we pour out our praise and our breath to you. Because you, O God, are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise in everything. And Father, as we talk about knowing who we are tonight in your eyes, help us to take the truth of your word and apply it in the way that you've intended us to. Not just to know it with our minds, but to know it in our hearts that it drives the way that we live each and every moment of every day. Thank you for all who've come tonight. Thank you, most of all, for you and your presence here. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've been on a in on a three week journey uh, up until this point, uh, studying the our identity in Jesus Christ, and we've heard some awesome, awesome challenges the last three weeks from uh, Pastor Jeff and Steve, Pastor Steve. I'm sorry, and Pastor Steve. On the first week, he talked about how our life compass needs to be set and needs to be focused on the Word of God and on Jesus Christ, and we need to give up our old lives and that old identity that we're born with and let go of it. With our compass set on Jesus and on the Bible, the Bible instructs us through Jesus Christ who we are in a new identity in Christ. Two weeks ago, Jeff spoke about being laser-focused. And he gave that illustration of sitting on a 3010 John Deere, which I drove one. I know what they are. And go plow. plow. His dad sent him out plowing and told him, put your eye on the fence post across the field, line it up with the muffler of the tractor, and don't take your eye off it. Be laser focused so that when you plow that field, you plow it straight. And in the same way, the analogy was that we're to put our eyes, keep our eyes laser focused on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and not take our eyes off of Him ever. Just stay focused, 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 no matter what comes against us. And Jeff also gave the analogy of mud on a hunting trip in North Dakota. And he said that mud collects on your boots and it's slimy and it's heavy and it's hard and it weighs you down. And he stressed the fact that we need to throw off that mud that keeps weighing us down because Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Well, last week, Pastor Steve spoke and he honestly picked up that same analogy with the mud and he said it doesn't just get on your boots. It comes up all over your clothes and it gets into your sleeping bag. And the analogy was that sin floods our entire soul. It infects all of us. And he, says, he told us last week, that Jesus wants to make a change in us. And God has provided a way not to be a better person. I love this. Jesus didn't come to make us a better person. Jesus came so that we could be more like Him in heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Therefore, we need to stop believing the lies and take hold of the truth about our identity in Christ. Have you ever been away from home for a day or for a week? Karen and I were about two weeks ago on Saturday. We left early in the morning. We went to the Twin Cities. We spent the entire day there. And we came home that night about, it was close to 10 o'clock Saturday night by the time we got home. And I walked in the door and we had a whole ton of stuff with us. And I set it all down and I said, Man, feels good to be home after a long day. Have you ever felt that way? My hope and prayer tonight is that we can help you so firmly take hold of your identity in Jesus Christ and the freedom that comes with it, that you will say, wow, it feels so good to be at home with Jesus. The text tonight is Colossians chapter 1. It's verses 9 through 14. The Apostle Paul wants the believers in Colossae to understand that the right way to live in this world is by focusing on the heavenly things more than on the earthly things. And he tells them that he's heard about their great faith in the beginning verses and how the gospel has taken root in their lives. And he tells them that he's praying for them that they'll continue to grow in him. And I'd just like to pick it up. In verse 9, that they come to a deeper, deeper understanding of what Christ has done for them through the graciousness of the Heavenly Father. Verse 9, and so from that day we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I just find it great, uh, a great help that when I read the scriptures, I stop in a verse and I try to pick out the main phraseology there of what Paul, what, what the author is saying. And in this particular verse, Paul is saying that we be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's praying, Colossian believers, I hope, I'm praying for you that you'll be continually filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I just happen to think if we're going to know our identity in Christ, that's absolutely important. We need that understanding of the knowledge of God's will in who we are. Verse 10, he says, "...so that that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Kind of a twofold statement there that because we're filled with the knowledge of God, we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and in that we'll bear fruit in the way we live for Jesus, and we increase our understanding of who God is. Abide in me, Jesus said, and I'll abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. As we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we'll bear fruit for Jesus and we'll increase, continually increase in our understanding of how great and mighty and wonderful, how great our God is that we just sung about. Well, you might ask at this moment, Rich, how can I live like this? I mean, really, how can I live like this? Well, you have to understand it's not what you do. It's not how you decide you're going to live. It's understanding that you, need to, you and I need to take hold of what God has done for us supernaturally as we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God who's at work, and that's what He unfolds in the next few verses. Verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience and with joy. Do you see that? It's not your strength. And it's not your power. It's God who increases our strength for endurance. It's God who gives us patience. And it's God who fills us with joy. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I want you to see a little word here and I don't want you to miss it. Giving thanks to the Father who has. H-A-S. It's God who has done this. It's God who has qualified you and I to share in the inheritance of the saints. Verse 13, here it comes again. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. He's delivered us. In this new quest of understanding and embracing and surrendering to the new identity that, that God has given to us, it's a matter of realizing that it isn't what I do. It's never about what I do, but it's what God has done for me. It's God who has taken us from darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's brought us from darkness to light. He's transferred us. That's what verse fourteen says. He's uh, thirteen. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know. I, I just I can go off on verse thirteen for a long, long time. It's it's become so meaningfully powerful in me and my understanding that. God in His mercy picked Rich Hubert up at the age of 17 when he confessed the name of Jesus Christ and realized he needed a Savior. And he picked him out of darkness and sin and death and he brought him over and he set him down in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus would say in Mark chapter chapter 1, believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what God does. He's He delivers us. He transfers us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, Jesus. He gives us eternal life from eternal death into eternal life. And He redeems us. He exchanged Jesus' life for ours. There's nothing sweeter than that. Karen and I uh, used to live in Iowa for a number of years and way back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, Iowa had the five-cent pop can stamped on the pop can, was if you turned in an empty pop can, you got five cents for it. You would redeem the pop can and you would get the five cents in return. Well, God redeemed the life of His Son. And for the return of that, when we surrender our lives to Him, He gives us eternal life and salvation and His beloved, beloved grace that never ends. see our identity is not wrapped up in what we do. It's delivered to us by what God has done through the birth, the death, and the resurrection of our Savior Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question? Who are you? I mean, really, who are you? If someone were to ask you that question, how would you answer that question? Who are you? Would you pull out your driver's license and say, Well, I'm Richard Allen Hubert, and I live at such and such street in, in Painesville, Minnesota, and I'm six foot two tall, and I weigh so much, and I was born on this date, and blah, 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 my driver's license? No, no, no. Who are you? Who are you really? That only tells, you, tells us some statistics about you. We're talking about our identity in Jesus Christ today. Our goal is to help you take the truth of God's Word and what it says about you and to help you literally and physically apply it to your life. See, the premise, I think, for all four messages in this series on our identity in Christ The premise is that when you and I firmly take hold of our identity in Christ concerning who God is, we gain something. We gain a spiritual freedom like unbelievable, eternal freedom that sets us free. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 it was for freedom that Christ died to set us free. The premise here is that when we embrace our identity in Christ, our life is so literally transformed. We gain true spiritual freedom. You know, identity is a big deal in this world. Last week I heard that Starbucks had an identity uh, had a I'm sorry, a data breach. People's identities were robbed. 2 weeks ago I'd read that Google had the same thing happen to them. Identities were stolen. About 10, 12 years ago, Karen and I had our our, uh, identity stolen. Someone stole our credit card, and without us ever leaving Minnesota, our credit card went to Denver, Colorado to Toys R Us, and it spent $400. And it went to several other places, and by the time they were done stealing our identity, there was an $1,100 bill on that credit card. See, identity is a big deal. When you go to have your driver's license renewed, it's such a big deal that when you, what do they do with your old driver's license once you've filled out the paperwork? They give it back to you. They clip the edge of it. Why? Ever ask yourself that? Because your identity is so important. You need that, that you can state who you are if someone needs to know what your identity is. A couple of, uh, about three months ago, I was in Wilmer one day. I've been to the doctor and, Uh, for a cancer appointment and I came out of that and my head was a little not in where it should have been and I got in the car and I started down the road and I didn't buckle my seatbelt. And I got a ways down the road and I happened to glance off to the side and I saw the highway patrolman sitting there and as I got closer I noticed there were two officers sitting in that car. And immediately it reminded me and I reached over and I pulled my seatbelt across me and I buckled into place. Well, I I didn't think too much more about it. I got a little ways farther down the road. All of a sudden, I glanced in my rearview mirror, and here come the highway patrol, and he came around the car behind me, got in behind me, flashed his lights, and pulled me over. And he came up to my window, and he said, May I see your identification? So I got my driver's license out, and I gave it to him. He looked at it, and he said, Mr. Hubert... I see you're wearing your seat belt, but when you passed us back there, I'm quite sure that you didn't have it on. Did you? You know what happened? At that moment, talk about crisis, three voices went off inside my head. Three voices. I heard three voices speak to me. The first voice I heard was Satan's voice. You know what Satan said to me? Just go ahead and lie about it. There's no way they're going to prove about, prove it that you yeah, didn't have it on all the time. Just go ahead and lie. And Satan's such a liar. That's why the Bible calls him the father of lies. His goal is to get you and I to keep you and I from worshiping the living God and to have us follow Him, the great liar, the great deceiver, instead. That's what He did to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eve, go ahead and pick the apple. Give it to Adam. Go ahead and eat it. That's what He did to Cain. Cain, go ahead and kill Abel, your brother. doesn't matter. Just go ahead and do it. You deserve to be number one. He tried to do that with Jesus as he tempted Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Satan said to Jesus, Jesus, if you will worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus answered, it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. See, Satan is such a stinking Then there was a second voice that went off inside of me that day, that moment with the highway patrolman. It was the voice of my flesh. And I call it also the voice of the world because my flesh and and the world are just like this sometimes. And the voice of my flesh said, Do you know what this ticket is going to cost? You don't want to pay this fine out of your bank account, do you? you know what Karen's going to say about this when she finds out? You see, the voice of our flesh, it's always in telling us to indulge ourselves, to do whatever it takes to feel good. The Bible says our flesh is weak. It gives in easily to temptation. Why? Because it's a very real and it's a very strong Voice, And we need to recognize that it's a prominent voice always trying to mislead us. A week ago, Pastor Steve talked about Romans chapter 8 and the war that goes on between the Spirit of God and our flesh. There's always a constant tug of war going on inside of us between those two. Then I heard the third voice that moment, that day. I heard God's voice. And God's voice said, Rich, just own up to it. Tell the truth. How do we hear God's voice? Well, through the Bible. Through the instruction of the Bible. God's Word. Through the working of the Holy Spirit. As we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit makes it known to us. That's what John chapter 10 tells us. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says, The Holy Spirit says today, If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In other words, listen to Jesus, listen to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and follow him. Take him at his word and what he's saying to you, and what he's saying about who you are in your identity in him as Savior and Lord of your surrendered life. Well, I replied to the question of that officer that day. I said, Officer, you are absolutely correct. I did not have on my seatbelt when I came by you. When I saw you, it reminded me, and I reached over and I pulled it across and I clicked it into place. You know what his response was? His response was, Mr. Hubert... I just want to thank you for being honest with me. And I want you to always buckle up before you ever start your car. You have a good day, sir. And he handed me my license back back, and away I went. You see, Jesus had a lot to say about those voices inside of us and who we're to listen to. John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, The sheep follow their shepherd. Is Jesus your shepherd? For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Oh, that you and I would get to our place, that we would be so secure, so rooted in our identity in Christ, that Satan's voice and the voice of our flesh in the world would be strange voices to us. Because we'd be so at home and intimate in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. See, l- many of us I know are listening to some pretty strange, ugly voices. And I go so far as to call them ugly because they are ugly. They're voices robbing you and I of our true identity, trying to rob you of our truth, the truth and joy, and setting us up to fail and crash and burn in this world. And these voices are lying to you and they're misleading you constantly. The the ugly voices. The ugly voice that says, you are a failure. You are ugly. You're not beautiful. You're worthless. The ugly voice that says, why don't you just end your life and get it over with. The ugly voice that says, you're never going to have any friends and you're never going to fit in. The ugly voice that says, it's okay, go ahead and hate that person and keep that grudge. You don't have to let go of it. Or the ugly voice that says, you deserve to feel better. Go ahead and indulge in some more booze. Take some more drugs. Look at some more pornography. You deserve to relax and dull your pain a little. You deserve a little thrill. The really ugly voice that says to you, who do you think you are? God's never going to answer your prayers. He doesn't listen to somebody like you. You're never going to be me- you're never going to be good enough to measure up. The ugly voice says you're never going to be a good enough parent. You're never going to be a good enough spouse. You're never going to be a good enough son or a daughter. You know what, my friend? That's not true. You're a precious precious child of God. Let's be clear, those are not the voices of God. Because the voices of God says, I've created you in my image and you're beautiful in my sight. And those are not the voices of God because God says, I love you for all eternity and I want you and I've chosen you and you're mine. You're precious to me and I hold you constantly in my arms. You're mine. It's not the voice of God who says, God says, I will hold your right hand and I will not, I will not let you go. I love that. Boy, do I love that. See, God doesn't say ugly things to us. He doesn't say ugly things to us. He doesn't say ugly things about us. God says, I've made you a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. You're a new creation in Jesus. God says, I've given you a new identity in my Son Jesus Christ. You're no longer Rich Hubert, lost in sin in darkness. You are now Rich Hubert, bought and redeemed and transferred into the kingdom of God. I've given you a new identity. I've redeemed you. I've forgiven every sin, every wrong you've ever done or will do or ever will do in the future. I've given you a new home in heaven, and your name is there for all eternity. And I've written your name on my hands, God says, and I've written my name on your heart. I've delivered you from darkness into my light. Friend, take hold of the one who's already taken hold of you because He went to the cross for you. Surrender to the One who's already surrendered Himself on your behalf, in your place, to redeem you from sin and sickness and death. You're no longer under any condemnation. You and I have been set free through faith in Jesus Christ from sin and death and Satan. Who are you? Who are you? I want you to be so sure. I want you to be so convinced of who you are in your identity in Jesus Christ that no matter what happens in your life, you're firmly seated, you're grounded, and you're kept securely by faith no storm is going to knock you off your foundation because Jesus is your rock and on Him you've taken your stand and He will not be moved, the Bible says. The Apostle Paul told young Timothy, I know, I know whom i believed and am persuaded that He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. 1 Timothy 1.12 Well, you might be saying to me about right now, Rich, I need some help with this. Friend, you've got all the help you need right at your fingertips. It's called the living Word of God. It's called the truth. We talk a lot around here about Alpha and life groups and even one-on-one care ministry through the We Care ministry. But we have something even more powerful than those, and those are important, and we need all those things. We have the Word of God, the truth. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the anchor for our souls, the Bible says. Jesus said, Know the truth. Know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's time to take hold of that which has taken hold When you came in tonight, you were given a card that looks a lot like the bulletin, but it isn't the bulletin. It says, it's entitled, Who Am I in Christ? This is scriptural truth. This is about identity, that I'm accepted, I'm secure, and I'm significant in my relationship and faith in Jesus Christ my Lord. I want to challenge you to read this. And read it and reread it and reread it again over and over and over. Don't just take this home and set it aside. This is much too valuable. This is worth more than precious gold or silver. This is more valuable than anything this life has to offer you. It's more important to read this than to go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. And I think that's pretty important. I'd like us to read through it together today out loud. Would you join me? And let's read through this out loud together. And you you say, Rich, why out loud? Because I learned in seminary, when it comes out of your mouth, where does it go? It goes back in your own ear and it goes down into your own heart. It's very important that you read out loud. Whenever you read the Scriptures, when you're alone, read them out loud. Hear what you're reading. Hear what's being spoken. An old seminary professor taught me that, and it's a valuable, valuable piece of information. Read it out loud. It causes you to digest it more. Let's read this together out loud tonight, shall we? Follow with me. Read with me. We'll start at the top. Who am I in Christ? I'm accepted. I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord, and I'm one in spirit with Him. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. I've been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I'm secure. I am free forever from condemnation. I'm assured that all things work together for good. I'm free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I'm confident that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. I'm a citizen of heaven. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I'm born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. I'm significant. I'm the salt and light of the earth. I'm a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I'm a personal witness of Christ. I'm God's temple. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I'm God's co-worker. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I'm God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. True spiritual freedom and victory will come to your life, I guarantee it, because of the cross. When you firmly take hold of who you are and your identity in Jesus Christ concerning who God is, says you are. I've been in ministry nearly 28 years. I'm so grateful for the moments when I was taught this some years later after i began begun the ministry. And why I'm grateful is because I've used this over and over in people's lives. I've had the privilege to share it with them. And what I see happen time and time again is when a person like myself or yourself embraces the truth of this, stuff of the earth and the flesh just fall off because truth takes hold in your life. Jesus said, Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's time to take hold of that which has taken hold of you. It's time to come home, and it's time to say, Man, it feels good to be at home in Jesus, in my identity. Let's pray together. I have a question for you tonight your heads bowed? Do you want to stop listening to the ugly voices and start listening to the voice of God? Are you tired of the struggle that's continually going on inside of you every time something goes wrong? Would you just stand up right now if you're sick and tired of that? Pastor Steve is going to come. He's going to pray over us. You want to live the truth of your identity? Stand up tonight. You want to say, I'm accepted. I'm secure. I'm significant in Jesus. If you're serious about this, then stand up and let's let the Holy Spirit move in our lives as we we surrender in our relationship to Jesus in our identity. Pastor Steve.
1: Gracious God, we come before you having heard... An inspiring message, because it brings us back to your word, because it is your word God, that is inspiring that to know that our identity is rooted in who you say that we are and what it is that you have done for us. So God, we come from different places and we all have different needs and God we're going to pray and address some of those now, and we're just going to open our hearts to you and so we begin that God, we begin that by acknowledging our sin. And so we just take a moment and we just confess to you the things that we know, that we have done, that we continue to do, the things that maybe we're planning to do that we know are wrong, things that are against your will for us, things that are not who you created us to be and are not what you created us to do. And God, after we confess, we know that the next important thing is to repent, to turn away, to not choose to do that sin anymore. And so, God, we ask that it would be your Holy Spirit who would work in us and help us not just to understand what our sin is, but to bring us to a point where we confess it honestly to you. And then that your Holy Spirit would help us to repent and to turn and to not sin again. And finally, God, we need to be able to accept forgiveness from you, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. So God, even as we confess those sins, as we ask you to forgive us, we need also to be able to know that we are forgiven, because that is what Jesus came and died on the cross for. You raised him from the grave and gave him power over everything, including sin. And God, some of us here now, we we maybe need to get our business straight with you and get our business straight with Jesus, and we need to do something as simple and basic and as profoundly important as simply accepting Jesus as our Savior. Maybe it's just that we've put it off and we've come up with a hundred reasons why we're not going to do that maybe right now. Maybe this is our moment. Maybe this time right here, right now. And so God, as we have asked for forgiveness, anyone who now wants to surrender their lives to You, to give their lives to Jesus, God, we thank You for what You have done for us through Him. God, if there's anyone who is saying, yep, I'm done trying to do it on my own, I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Savior. God, I pray that you would fill them now, even with your Holy Spirit, that they would be able to come to a point of faith and a point that they would be able to live as a Christian, the way that you have called us to do. Some of us, we call ourselves Christians, we would consider ourselves a believer, but the the truth is, we uh, we need to return to you. We've been living on our own, and we need to come back to you, and When we think about the business of sin and confession and forgiveness, we realize that we've maybe walked a long way from where it is that we want to be. And for others of us, God, we just need to start living the way that you call us to. We accept Jesus as our Savior, but maybe we haven't given him our lives to where he is the Lord of our lives. And so, God, for those of us who just simply need to be living as Christians, living as disciples of his less like us and becoming more and more like Him, we ask that Your Holy Spirit would help us to do that as well. So God, the the prayer would really be that You would do whatever it is that You need to do to bring us to You. Whatever it is that You need to do in our lives, we ask God that Your Holy Spirit would be present. And for anyone who is open and willing, who wants that, God, my prayer would be is that for some of us, You just need to bless some people to where they can only say that it's coming from you. The good things in their life are happening only because of you. And for some of us, God, we're a little more stubborn and maybe you need to break us. Maybe we need to stop doing things our way on our terms. And maybe you need to move in a way that brings us to a different place, a not so comfortable place where we have no choice but to turn and look at you. Whatever it is that you need for us to do, God, we pray that you would bring that about in our lives, that that you could bring us to a place where you could bring us home to you. And then finally, God, we've got folks who have hearts that need healing, minds that need healing, lives that need healing, because we live in a world that hurts, and as a result, we hurt. So, God, we've got uh, hurting people all around us, but we know that we've got hurting people right here hurt by friends, hurt by families, hurt by co-workers, sometimes even hurt by churches and other Christians. And so God, what I would ask is that you would heal our hearts, heal our minds in the way that we think, heal relationships that need to be healed, and maybe we just need to be forgiving other people so that we can go on and, and focus on you. So God, whatever it is that you have for us, whatever it is that you need to do, I pray that this message that Pastor Rich has shared would would work in our hearts, and not just for a moment, but that even as we go out of this place. That you would become so real that we just can't ignore you. You would become so real that we would want to just fully embrace you in the life that you have for us, that you created us for. So God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for Jesus, and we give you thanks for your Holy Spirit, because without Him, we aren't even able to come to faith on our own. And so, God, we give you thanks, not just for what you do for us, but for who you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: We'll have the ushers come at this time. Let's continue to worship. Here's a last thought for you on this whole identity thing. You know, I've had several sales jobs in my life. Some of them were a bust, and a couple of them were very successful. Do you know why they were successful? They were successful because I believed in my product and what I was selling. I believed and I had confidence in it that it would do what I was telling the customer it would do. And I believed it would benefit the customer that I was selling it to. It would help them in their daily life. This, my friend, will benefit you. It will help you when you put your confidence and trust in the living Word of God. Therefore, here's what I'm challenging you to do. For the next seven days, take this home and get really, really serious about it. So serious about it, for for the next seven days, I want you to read it twice a day. The challenge is read it in the morning before you go to work and read it again at night before you put your head on your pillow. Twice a day for seven days. And then the following week, in the next seven days, read it once a day. So in 14 days, you'll have read this thing 21 times. And I guarantee you, if you're sincere and if you pray, Lord, show me my identity with an open, surrendered heart, it will take root in you. I'm confident of that. May God bless you. Thanks for coming tonight.